scripture reading this morning will again be from John 11, verses 45 to 48. John 11, 45 to 48. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary, had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. There is something to be said about obeying the gospel of Christ. In fact, there's a whole lot that could be said. When somebody puts on the Lord in baptism, when somebody uh, decides that they and realizes they cannot save themselves, but they can submit to God who graciously has offered his son. A whole lot could be said. See, Jesus would say, I am the bread of life. In fact, he would go on to say that I am the light of the world. And when you read John chapter 1, you see that that life was the light of the world. And that those who would believe and trust in that light could have life in his name. He would go on to say, I am the door of the sheep. Where Jesus is the one who stands in between where there is safe pasture and all that is outside that could harm And he's the entryway. And he says, I am the good shepherd. He is the one who watches over our souls. You know, last uh, uh, Wednesday, just a few days ago, we got to uh, see somebody who recognized that Jesus is the bread of life, the light of the world, the door, and the good shepherd. Uh, When we got to see... Uh, Sasha Golovine baptized into Christ. What a wonderful thing. How amazing it is that 2,000 years later, God still saves. The gospel is still His word and the salvation, and it is powerful. As we have been going through this study of the great I Am, the gospel of the great I Am, And as we have been going through and looking at these word pictures that Jesus has given, do you realize that the Gospel of John has a whole lot of sevens besides those seven pictures? For example, the Gospel of John has seven signs. Remember John 20, 30 and 33, that those things, these things are written that you might believe that these signs are written, that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ and that He is the Son of God and believing you might have life in His name. In John chapter 2, Jesus turns water to wine and it points people to Him and His glory. In John chapter 4, there's the healing of the official Son and it turns people to Jesus and the glory of God. In John chapter 5, there's a man who's been bedridden for 38 years and Jesus heals him and God receives the glory. In John chapter 6, there are over 5,000 people fed and God receives the glory. Also in John chapter 6, Jesus would walk on water and God receives the glory. And in John chapter 9, there's a man who has been born blind 
And Jesus heals him. And God receives the glory. And all throughout, those are six signs, and all throughout the book of John, you have Jesus on trial. Is he truly the Son of God? And on the same time, there's another group of people who were on trial. All the people who were around who are seeing the signs and seeing what Jesus has done, will they believe? Will they believe that he is? Or will they reject the King of Kings? Will they reject the Son of God? Well, today, this morning, we have that seventh big sign in the Gospel of John. And it is in chapter 11, and I really hope that you have your Bibles today because we're going to be looking at the text. I want you to look and see what God's Word says Concerning this great chapter. And we will notice three emphases from this chapter. That help us to better understand the great I am. When you look at John chapter 11. You have this death of Lazarus. This man who he loved. And in fact when you go throughout this chapter. In this section in scripture. Number one, death almost overwhelms everyone. Jesus himself is threatened with death. In fact, this will be at least the second time that some of the Jews have tried to murder Jesus. At the end of chapter 10 and verse 39, again they sought to arrest him, but they escaped, but he escaped from their hands. Look at John chapter 10 and verse 31, just a few verses before. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. This was not just a little thing where they're throwing rocks at a guy and it might give him a bloody nose. These were some big heavy rocks that were a death sentence. And if you go back even further than that, in John chapter 10, uh, verse 30, I and the Father are one. And then it's verse 31 that the Jews picked up stones to stone him. In John chapter 8, in verse 58, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. In verse 40 of John chapter 10, after these at least two attempts on Jesus' life, he went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. Many came to him and they said, John did no sign, but everything John said about this man is true. And many believed in him there. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, in the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This is a man who is just a couple of miles away from Jerusalem. It's the location of Bethany. And Jesus is across the Jordan in safer territory. But he has a friend who is identified as Lazarus, whom he loves, and he's ill. There is a very real threat of death. In fact, as you heard the scripture reading just a moment ago, look at chapter 11 and begin reading in verse 49. Now one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you 
that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not for the, whole na- uh, for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who were scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. This passage is an emphasis on death and how Jesus is so close to death on so many occasions. Because as he has to decide whether or not to go back to Bethany, across the Jordan and near Jerusalem, just a few miles away, where people wanted to stone him, will he go? But not only is death overwhelming in this chapter as it regards Jesus, you have Lazarus himself who is threatened with death. That's the news that Jesus received. It was Mary who had anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet and his hair. His brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, notice verse 3, Lord, to whom you love is ill, uh, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. When you look down at verse 9, well, verse 8, again, talking about Jesus, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you going to return there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. And Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. Lazarus has died. Lazarus is threatened with death. And notice, by the way, Mary and Martha, there's nothing that indicates that they asked Jesus to come, but only to let him know that, that Lazarus, whom he loved, is ill. Maybe they thought about to an earlier time in history when Jesus would be able to speak that someone would be well and they would become well, even though he's a great distance beyond. Maybe they trusted him in seeing all of the healing and all the wonderful things that he has done, that he would be able to save him. Maybe they would just hope that as saying that, he would be willing to come. But they knew the threat on his life. But Lazarus, he is threatened with death. And Jesus' immediate response is that this will not end in death, but that a greater thing will happen which will glorify the Father. You know, doesn't that sound a whole lot like John 9? Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents, but that so the Father would be glorified in him. Now we have Jesus saying this sickness would end in death. But it ends with the glory of God. It, it, it leads to the glory of God, but the threat of death is still very real and it looms over Jesus and it looms over Lazarus. But it's also near the disciples. Notice verse 14 again. Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died and for your sake I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. 
So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Notice upon hearing that Lazarus had died, Jesus still is determined to go to Bethany. Thomas declares, if we go, we're going to die too. Last time they were there, Jesus is threatened to be stoned. Those who wanted to kill him are just a couple of miles off, and they barely escaped before. Follow Jesus on this occasion, and it almost certainly means death. Incidentally, Thomas was right, not about the time. But when you read a lot of the apostles dying because of their faith, for their faith, and their refusal to reject Jesus, let us also go that we may die with him. This chapter has an overwhelming emphasis on death for Jesus, for Lazarus, for the disciples. Death is the enemy that none of us can ever defeat. And it's always been that way. The second emphasis is that no one really believed and no one really expected Jesus to do very much. Think about the time stamps for just a moment. It is two days, two days journey for Jesus to cross again the Jordan and about two days, so about two days travel back to Bethany. How long is Lazarus in the tomb at Bethany? Four days. Four days. How long does Jesus stay across the Jordan? Two more days. By the time the disciple, or by the time the messengers got to Jesus, and had he traveled back those two days, he would have been dead already. But when Jesus does make the travel back, he has been in the tomb four days. And back then, it was not something that you waited around for when somebody died. It was very immediate that the body would be taken care of and be, uh, 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 have oils for the Jews. They would put a whole bunch of oils and fragrances on him and wrap him up and put him in a family tomb if they had one available. Jesus had to explain to the disciples that Lazarus had died and that he was going to awaken him. And yet, Jesus' words and the disciples' response indicate that the disciples didn't really believe that he was going to do much. Because when Jesus said he's asleep, they said, well, let him sleep. Let him get some rest. He'll wake up and feel better. Some of us might feel that way right now with all the allergy stuff going on and all the sinus stuff going on. Sleep. He'll feel better. They missed the point. Jesus says he has died. But they still missed the point. Because they didn't make the connection that he is going to awaken him. 
the disciples really didn't expect what to do. Uh, that, that, that Jesus himself would do anything. Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha don't expect it. In chapter 11 and verse 32, Now when Mary came where, uh, to where Jesus was and said to him, uh, saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Mary had a lot of faith that Jesus, had he been there, he could have saved her, uh, saved her brother. But she didn't expect anything else. And Martha too, in verse 20. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Isn't that just like Martha? Martha and Mary, you have Martha who, who uh, always re really likes to jump the gun and say, well, you know, Mary's not helping me in the kitchen. You remember that? Martha, Martha, you're troubled about many things, but Mary, she's, she's been focusing on what's important. And Martha here, she runs to her Savior, whom she trusts, but she doesn't quite understand. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, verse 21, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. But Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Notice Martha's response in verse 27. She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. She responds with an affirmative answer that she believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he is the Christ, that he has come into the world. And he has just declared that he is the resurrection. If you believe in him, you'll have life. But look at verse 39. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, who has just said she believes a short time ago. The sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. He has been dead four days. Martha and Mary really didn't expect for Lazarus to be raised from the dead. The disciples did not expect for Lazarus to be raised from the dead. The Jews that are there consoling the family, look at verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he, went, he was deeply moved, deeply troubled in his spirit, and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind men also have kept this man from dying? The disciples did not expect Jesus to raise Lazarus from the dead. Mary and Martha did not expect Jesus to raise Lazarus from the dead. The Jews that were there that were trying to comfort and console Mary, maybe they were saying something about the, the resurrection on the last day. But they did not believe that Jesus could raise Lazarus 
from the dead. Do you suppose Jesus was troubled in spirit because no one believed him? After everything that he's done and everything that he's taught and all the signs that they've seen, there is still this struggle. There is still this struggle. Death overwhelms the chapter. Almost. Nobody really expects Jesus to be able to overcome death. And yet the third emphasis is the one that really counts. And that is that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. There was a common view in that day among uh, the, the Hebrews, among the Jews, except for the Sadducees anyway, that, that there would be a resurrection on the last day. They would go to a book like Daniel to talk about it, or Isaiah, or even Job will mention it on occasion. As far as this, this being raised up, this being uh, alivened again on the last day. But that's about it. Some hints in the Old Testament. But when Jesus came and showed how the law and the prophets and the Psalms were pointing to him, the resurrection, how different people's lives became. Notice verse 39 and following. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Why did Jesus say that? Why did he pray immediately when the stone is open? He hasn't even said anything to Lazarus yet. What did Martha say? There's going to be an odor. Have you ever left some food in your car for a few days? Maybe it fell out of your bag of groceries. And sure enough, in the Texas heat and humidity, you have all sorts of bacterial growth and new viruses that you're about to release on mankind. And you open up that car door after a hot day and it smells horrible. Imagine a tomb where a body that's supposed to be decaying for four days has been laying. And as soon as the tomb is empty, Jesus says, Father, thank you that you've heard me. There's no odor. He continues, I knew, verse 42, that you always hear me, but I said on this account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out. 
And what a picture it was. His hands and feet are still bound. His face is still wrapped with a cloth. You wonder how he came out. Was he just walking little by little like this? It is an amazing picture. Was he hopping along? But it's an amazing picture because he came out after four days. He came out. You know, in bygone generations, you hear gospel preachers point out the reason that Jesus had to say, Lazarus, come out, is because he had the power and the authority for everybody to come out. And if he didn't specify Lazarus, everybody would have come out of that too. Lazarus, come out. Verse 45. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed them. Jesus is the resurrection. God is glorified. With that in mind, read verse 25 and 26 again. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? See, Jesus not only came from heaven to earth, but he also came showing the promise of God's future of the final resurrection and brought it into Martha's present. He has the power over death. And he says, though someone dies, they will live again. And their life will continue on. Because he is the resurrection. Consider for a moment that Jesus on earth and all his healings, they're displays of power that showcases what eternity will be like with him. No tears, no sorrow, no decay. In fact, don't we sing a song? No death and no decay. No yesterday, no morrow, but one eternal day. Nothing in eternity that corrupts or pollutes or maims or harms or causes any kind of degeneration will be there. Revelation 21 and 22. Have you ever asked the question, why is heaven heaven? Because God's there. Because if he wasn't, it wouldn't be heaven. What can we learn from this account? Just a couple of lessons to consider. Number one, resurrection is not just a doctrine, but a person. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. 
Consider how fascinating that is when Jesus talks about himself being the bread of life. He didn't literally become a loaf of bread. When Jesus talks about being the light of the world, that doesn't mean he necessarily, necessarily glowed like a light bulb, although his glory did shine. When Jesus said that, that he is the door, he didn't become a piece of wood. When he says he's the good shepherd, we know it's a picture. But when he says, I am the resurrection and the life, you can't get any closer to his identity than that. It's not simply a picture, it's who he is. It is in Jesus that we are raised to walk in newness of life, Romans 6, 11. It is in Jesus that we have the free gift of God, eternal life, Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. It's in Christ that we have no condemnation, Romans 8 and verse 1. Death and resurrection are so tied in Jesus that one is without, that if you only have one, it's of no use. You must have both. As a body without the spirit is dead, so also, James would write, but Jesus could not be raised from the dead if he never died. You see how important the resurrection is? But if Jesus never resurrected, then we're still in our sins, 1 Corinthians 15, 17. Because there has to be a death, and there has to be a resurrection. Jesus is the resurrection because it, He is life, and because He rose from the grave. His flesh did not suffer decay. Like Lazarus, the tomb had no smell. He rose to nevermore die again. He has the keys of death and of Hades, Revelation 1 would say. And his resurrection, Jesus' resurrection, is the paradigm for our resurrection. Because you know what? Lazarus died again. But the promise of Jesus remains is that he will live again. Trusting in his name. His resurrection is the paradigm. Jesus' resurrection is the paradigm for our resurrection. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he truly is. Romans 8, and verse 11. If the spirit of him who has raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. 2 Corinthians, that's a will, that's a future thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. One other passage, turn to Philippians 3. Philippians 3. <clears throat> begins by Paul saying that he's counting everything but loss for the sake of Christ and knowing Christ. But notice specifically the words that he uses. Verse 8, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, 
the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Why? That by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained. Obtained what? The resurrection from the dead. This, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it, what? The resurrection, my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have already made it my own. What is the it? Resurrection from the dead. But one thing, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal, the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God reveal, will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example they have in us. It says, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is their shame. With minds set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Resurrection. Resurrection is not just a doctrine, it's a person. And second, we must never diminish, we must never diminish the resurrection. Brothers and sisters, do you realize that the subject of the resurrection is discussed far more heavily in the New Testament than any other topic? Like heaven? Hell? Worship? Purity? Politics? And the list goes on and on. And guess what? All of those topics flow from the fact that the grave is found empty. Still, that he is raised from the dead. It's because of the resurrection that all of those other things matter because it shows that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the resurrection and the life. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, we will appear with him in glory. Take all of five minutes to do a Bible word search and just look up the words raised and resurrection and it will blow your mind away. Truly will. Third and finally, death overwhelms. But Jesus is the resurrection and the life. God has freely given us the opportunity to be united in the death of Christ, to be united in the resurrection of Christ, and to be transformed into the image of Christ. And when He appears, we will appear with Him in glory. Through faith, repentance, and baptism, we can respond to that promise that he has given and come to Jesus. Maybe there's some here today who maybe in reality the resurrection is diminished in your life and Jesus has been diminished in your life. We, we really want to help you change that. We want to pray with you and we want to work with you to, to help make him king of your life again. just have to do one thing. You have to wonder. If we can help, come as we stand and sing this song.